Hello, everyone. I'm Heather Ward, SCA Senior Manager of Content Strategy, and you're listening to the SCA Podcast. Today's episode is part of our SCA Lecture Series, dedicated to showcasing a curated selection of the extensive live lectures offered at SCA Specialty Coffee Expo and World of Coffee events. Check out the show notes for relevant links and a full transcript of today's lecture. As we're taking some time to work through our 2019 lecture recordings from Expo, we thought we'd take this time to share some great content from 2018 that hasn't been released yet. If you want to see some live lectures in action, you still have time. Visit worldofcoffee.org for a full schedule of your lecture series in Berlin this June. Specialty Coffee's artisanal and handcrafted customer face is supported by a complex supply chain and highly specialized production. These two things create and collect lots of information. Understanding what can be collected and how it can help coffee businesses is simpler than people think, and is also the first step towards gaining real benefits. Business intelligence is already accessible to businesses of all sizes and is easy to use and inexpensive. It helps remove guesswork for beginners and delivers new insights for experts. In today's lecture, Andreas Eel presents how this can be done with a focus on roastery information. Andreas Eel is a socially-minded entrepreneur and is the founder and CEO of Cropster. As a software developer with a degree in information systems, he has focused on using his technological experience in socially positive ways. This focus led him to Cali, Colombia, and the research center SIAT. His work there focused on helping small farmers in developing countries through research and development projects, specifically in coffee. As the project came to an end, Cropster was created to continue the work in 2007. Andreas' presentation is quite visual, so we recommend listening to this presentation while looking at his presentation slides. There's a link to Andreas' presentation in the episode notes. Um, <clears throat> thanks, everybody, for being here. Uh, my name is Andreas Edel. I'm one of the co-founders of Cropster. Um, I'm Austrian, so my accent is not really accurate. Um, I hope you can overhear that, and I hope the message is kind of clear. Um, for me, actually, I think it's the first time I have a lecture at SCA. Um, no, we had actually one before, three years ago. Um, it's the first one I, I hold along. And the topic actually got elected is about data. Um, and it's about using data as business intelligence in a coffee business. And how do I get to data, actually? So... My background is universities IT, so I'm working with data for many, many years, so thinking about data. And we nowadays use data as a word and as a thing more often, and I think that came with computers. And the more data we share, there might be privacy things or what Facebook doing with what data set. So we talk about data all the time, uh, and we use it wrong all the time, and that's pretty Pretty interesting how that came. So um, <clears throat> today I will uh, talk about what's the idea behind data, uh, what data is, where it ends, what information is and knowledge is, um, how that works. Um, we will talk about what's, what a business intelligence solution is, um, why it is based on data, um, how we can use that in coffee, what kind of data sets do we have in coffee for quality control and uh, steering a, a company. And um, besides that maybe theoretical background, we will have a look at four real-time examples to kind of underline how, how that actually works. 
So one thing more to my person. So after studying IT, I, I worked in software engineering and through a job offering in research in Colombia, I moved to Colombia where I met or uh, have been working with the two other co-founders of Cropster. And at that time, we have been working on data collection um, on the farmer side, on the production side of specialty green coffee in Colombia. Um, and that's actually how I made my way into coffee. So I've never been working as a barista or as a roaster before that. I came from the green coffee side and there at the IT side. And from there, we actually made our way into the industry and um, thinking about all those processes. <clears throat> so um, what is actually data? Um, and that's, um, you might be surprised, it's basically everything. So if you ask a physicist today, uh, that person would actually tell you that data is everything. Like every atom, everything we describe, all the description of matter and energy and whatever else, it's data. And um, that's actually uh, true also. So we could define data in a way that everything we see, everything we taste, hear, sense, or any way of perception is actually data. So a wavelength which we see as a color, that's data actually. And so data is actually a very broad term. What data is not, data is not a text we can read. So if we talk about data sharing in, in online systems, that's not data. Below that there is data, but actually we share information. And to distinguish between those two things is actually quite critical and important for us that we know the difference. Um, so if you think about that data is everything, we could also say that everything we do in coffee is based on data. Um, a temperature is, a date, is data. When we roast at that very specific moment, time is data. The color of the coffee, um, the smell of coffee, a specific flavor, that's all based on our perception and thus on data. And that means data is the thing that de describes our reality in coffee and how we can actually um, understand what's happening in coffee. And we all know that coffee is super duper complex. And I think that's actually the really interesting thing about our industry. Coffee is chemically so complex, we can deliver so many things out of that, uh, of the, of the, out of that product that there are so many ways that we can continue learning and learning for so many years and we still deliver new products. And that's actually, for me, myself, that's very an awesome thing and really interesting. <clears throat> so um, if you think about that, all these parts in coffee are actually data sets. Um, we can actually think about how to use that. And, but we need to consider um, what is actually important when we produce coffee, when we roast coffee or sell coffee or brew coffee. Um, it's actually not to have a development time in roasting of whatever percentage or, or, or degree. It's not a specific roast color. It's not even a flavor. I think actually our goal as an industry and as a company is uh, to deliver great coffee. I think that's the baseline. And great coffee is not a, a specific thing. It's different in one location to another. A great espresso might be something different than a great filter brew. Uh, you even might have a, a cupping description of a coffee telling you this is great, but does an 89 points on SCA should really tell us this is a great coffee for a specific use? No, it doesn't. You might need to have a different coffee for your espresso blend with different flavor sets. Um, so great coffee is very specific in the context where we use it. And uh, 
But I think it's the goal of what we need to do. And that's when we buy green coffee, when we roast coffee and, and brew it and etc. That's our goal, as much as grey coffee as possible. And guess what? That was the slogan of SCA before the merger. <laughs> so um, the slogan at that time, because grey coffee doesn't just happen. And that's actually pretty accurate. I, was, I thought about that phrase, and I think it should actually tell grey coffee might happen. Might just happen, but not again and again and again. Uh, so you might have a lucky shot, but then you didn't understand what's going on. Everybody can have a lucky shot, but it doesn't help us. So our goal is to deliver great coffee again and again and again. That's a part of consistency. And that, that actually implies we need to understand what we are doing. Otherwise, we don't get there. Um, and SCA, uh, when they started out, they attacked that problem of uh, not knowing of not understanding um, how to deliver the coffee great again and again and again. So what they did, they, they created standards, uh, best practices, how to handle coffee. They introduced cupping forms. They introduced um, green grading forms, roasting protocols, and a lot of exchange of information, but basically establishing standards. And if you look at those standards, what they developed, like the cupping form, it's actually a data collection form. Um, if you think about what it is, SCA targeted the thing to collect important coffee that affect the quality of the coffee. And that helps us to understand what's going on. And these were early attempts. And of course, if you catch, uh, capture things on paper, it's easy to do. It's very flexible. You can draw anything on a paper. Um, but the flexibility has its downside. It doesn't really scale on paper. You don't get much in return. Um, so while the SCA then established all these new standards and helps to understand our coffee production, it has its limits in outcome. Um, so in that regard, it wasn't a real uh, business intelligence solution. It was a data capturing solution. Um, but in the end, SCA's goal and our goal was to produce the great coffee, and they developed standards to help us guide us there. And I think that's where it basically ended. So um, this is basically then the chart to that. So assuming we have a green coffee on this side, um, there is a, quite a black box in between, and we have brown coffee in the end that hopefully is great. Um, if you think about a roastery, um, I think the term of a black box is quite correct. Um, probably not a complete black box as we drawn here, uh, let's assume it's a black box with a few windows in it. So somebody cuts a window in here. Because we know a few things about roasting. We know there is a thing like a first crack. Um, we know about defects in roasting, like baking. Uh, we know there is a thing like Maillard reaction, which we can't actually not measure at all at the moment. So we actually know it's there, but we can't see it. Um, and many other chemical processes in the roast we can't see at all. Um, but basically, um, we, we can see temperatures. We might even measure a rose color. So basically, we have the tools to, to glimpse a few things that are happening actually in the production. We don't see everything. So the point is, we have a few windows. We can see a few things. It sheds some light into the production, but we can't see everything. And even worse to that, uh, that we don't see everything, um, we have connected 
parameters. So, for example, you might do your super-duper best development of coffee uh, development phase after the first crack. You did everything right. The color is there. The time is there. The temperatures are there. You don't bake it. It doesn't help you at all if you bake the coffee before in Maillard. So there is a lot of connected parameters here. So even if you do everything right except one thing, you can't save the coffee. So you don't get a great coffee in the end. Um, I mean, what's very obvious, let's assume you buy um, infected moldy green coffee. You can do whatever you want. You can be the best roaster in the world and the best barista. doesn't help. Um, so if you think about the roasting depends on a good green coffee, the brewing uh, depends on good roasting, and all these processes in between depend on each other. And that makes it even a bit more tricky um, because we need to understand these correlations. And we have two options to target that problem, and we have a very complex problem here. Either we remove the black box or cut as many windows as needed to see everything, and that's maybe not possible. Or we target that with a business intelligence solution that basically helps us to connect uh, or collect the relevant pieces of data and we integrate these pieces of data into information that helps us to understand what's going on. And that's basically what then this talk comes down to. How can we do that and what does that mean to our business? So um, a business intelligence solution starts at the point um, where we need to define what data we need to collect in our roastery, for example, in our operation. Um, it needs to help us to collect the data, sum it up to some useful reports so we can understand what's going on. Very simple concept, actually. Uh, not so easy implementation. <laughs> so this is a very, very simplified view on a roastery. Um, I left out stuff like post-roast blending or further processing like grinding or packaging. Um, no brewing is in here. It's the core process basically before that. And so what we do in the roastery, we have our green coffee inventory here. So that's the green coffee we have in our roast operation. Before that, we have coffee at our importer on the ship at an external storage site. And we move weight in between these two locations. We have a roast machine or many roast machines in one or many locations. Um, roasting single origins or singles or roasting blends. Um, taking weight out of the inventory. We have a production planning going on, and that's in between what orders are coming in, what we have in inventory, what capacity we have on a roast machine. So it affects all of these things additionally. Um, we have roasted coffee um, that can be assessed again with cupping or color measurements, etc. So we have a lot of quality control going on here. We have production um, stats and production management here to see how production is going, what volumes we are doing, uh, planning further ahead. We have quality analysis um, focusing on the roast process and on the cup quality, which again affects what we do on the roast machine because we want to might change profiles over time depending on what we figure out. Um, the black arrows here are basically processes, and you see it's going forth and back and in circles. Um, and if you look where relevant information is coming from, it's coming from several places. Uh, on the green coffee side, there is things like coming in like variety or moisture, 
water activity, defects, etc., the age of the coffee or the screen size. Um, when we roast, obviously we see times and temperatures. During a roast, we collect roast curves, rate of rise curves, gas pressures, drum pressures, rotations, etc., whatever I want to log. Um, also, I might already see here a few roast defects. Um, we then have the roasts, which then go to a cupping. We measure the color. Um, we do production cupping. We might even measure the moisture. We measure end weights. Um, so other sets of information happening at that point. And then in that itself, we actually get a new set of data like deviations between roasts, defects of roasts, correlation between roasts. Um, so if you look at that, data happens to be uh, coming to life or need to be collected at very specific points in production. So that means I have no single point of collecting the data. It also means that most likely different people will need to collect it. Uh, it also means it's coming from different devices. And that's then turning out to be more complicated um, because I need to make sure I have all those things because, again, I want to see interconnected things between uh, processing steps. If I don't capture the former point, uh, if I don't measure my rate of rise in my R, it doesn't matter <laughs> later on. I can't see if I did it right or wrong, and so it has no effect at development time. Um, but this is a bit of a messy view, I would say. Um, so I tried to clean it up and oversimplify, um, which is, um, again, green coffee, roasting, brown coffee, <laughs> roasted coffee. So um, looking at what we can capture in every step. Um, from origin at the green coffee, um, we can get information pieces about altitude and location where the coffee is coming from. Um, the processing, is it a wash coffee, it is it a natural coffee, etc. cetera. Uh, water activity, density, it has an effect how the coffee is being uh, turned over in the drum. A screen size, again, same thing, a defect. Uh, cupping flavors, already when I buy coffee, I cup it. That should give me quite of an orientation. And also storage time, how old is the coffee? Uh, that might tell me also how fast I need to roast it or I might expect aging effects really sooner than later. Uh, if you think about roasting, we talk about weight, blending ratios, temperature curves, rate of rise, gas rotation, pressures, times, development times, overall times, modulation timers, for example, uh, like proposed by Rob Hoos. Um, also, uh, the time of the day, did I roast in the morning? Was it the first batch in the morning? Was it the 10th batch before... Uh, before the evening, is it the last roast? How was the weather that day? What seasonality? Was it foggy or not? Uh, so basically, at what day was it? Um, that's all relevant things to understand what this profile is about. And then I have roasted coffee. We measure color moistures, uh, the weight loss, uh, cupping scores again, brewing parameters for the cupping, and, and these kind of results. So let's say if you focus on these three steps, that's basically what we need to collect. And that's a lot to do. If you think about you capture all that by hand, that's a lot of effort. And I understand if actually nobody actually is doing that because that's probably not worth it. 
Um, but still, all those parameters, I think, have an effect on the quality, and I think we can agree on that, more or less, uh, that these are kind of important parameters. That's why we see these parameters when we buy green coffee, we capture these parameters when we roast coffee and when we cup coffee. So, but we have a dilemma here. So first, we want to capture all those things to control our quality, but we don't have the time to do that in an efficient way. Um, but we also cannot afford not doing it because then we have a high risk of, of failing. We have a high risk of a, uh, of a problem in the final product and not achieving a great coffee. And that's basically in between. So a dilemma basically means, I think the original definition was... Um, 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 Jesus, what's the English name to that? Uh, what's a male cow? <laughs> a bull, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, I'm coming from the country of Red Bull and I don't remember that. <laughs> okay, so uh, um, so you're standing here and a bull is running to you and it has two horns. And you can basically choose if, you wanna, if you're hit by the left or the right horn, but that's the only option you have and that's a bit of what the dilemma is. So you spend all your time in collecting the data or you have a bit of risk in what you do. Uh, and then again, um, yeah, you, you need to have a look. So we need to capture basically data as efficient as possible. And we want to automate as much as possible in terms of what we can collect. So temperatures during a roast, obviously, we can collect automatically. A cupping, not so much. We taste it and it takes the time to cup um, but then comes actually the point, how we make that more efficient. And there is a limit. We cannot speed up a cupping. So the only thing we can think about, if we capture all that stuff, what's the best benefit we get out? What's our return of investing the time to capture that data? And this is basically what the business intelligence system introduces. So it helps us to capture the data in one location, to capture it once and as automatic as possible. On the other hand side, it will use that data to give us various examples of feedback that help us in various aspects. And I will show you, for example, actually, for exa uh, why collecting cupping data helps us later on. But this is something we need to keep in mind. Um, if we invest the time to capture data, we need many, many benefits and many different kinds of output to create and make up for that investment to give us a return on investment. <coughs> And there is a concept to then. This is the philosophical slide in the, in the show. It will end after that. Um, so this concept is very old, and it's something my English teacher um, introduced in, when I started at university. He said, all you IT guys, you, sh you need to think about that. And that, that, uh, that structure follows me all those years, actually. Uh, it's called the Wisdom Pyramid. Um, and you will see that IT actually infects and changes that pyramid a bit nowadays. So at the very base level, we have data. And as we remember, data is everything. So there is nothing that's not data. Uh, it's basically an objective fact, I would say, but it gives very little meaning. So just imagine you roast a coffee and at minute six, you have X Fahrenheit. That's not a lot of information, actually. There is not much you can understand. Uh, except in that moment, but not overall. So data is kind of here, a rose color again, for example, not much telling us unless we integrate it. So the next level is information. The idea behind this, 
I take all the data, I sum it up, and I correlate data, I connect data, I structure data, and suddenly it becomes understandable. For example, I have my rose color and the rose curve, and suddenly I have a meaning out of that. Alone, not so much. If I add cupping to that, I have even better information sets, so I can more understand what's going on. So basically, information makes all the data accessible to us. That's what it is. Uh, if you think about the out-of-coffee example, so a red light bulb is not much. That's data. But if it's on the street, we actually know to stop the car. Uh, so it, the context gives it a lot of information. Jesus. So, okay. And above information is knowledge. That's the point when we start understanding what that means. Um, an example in coffee was that uh, roasters starting using the rate of rice curve and they cupped their coffees and they had high frustration before having rate of rice. This coffee tastes flat. This didn't develop the acidity. There is no body in this coffee. And still the bean temperature looked really, really similar. And they didn't see a difference. And suddenly we had that information of rate of rise available. And actually they seen a lot of difference. And they figured out if rate of rise is doing this, this is not acceptable to my product quality. This is not great coffee for me. And so basically they started understanding, seeing correlation between various information sets over time. So they understood what the information means. And here we then actually become creative. On top of that, the final piece is wisdom. That sounds a bit, yeah, wise, like a man with a white, long beard, very old man. And I think the reason to that is because it takes a lot of time to achieve that, um, to, to get a lot of experience, to be a very experienced person in what I do. And um, it's probably why we associate wisdom a lot with <laughs> old people. Um, but basically, wisdom... Uh, says that I gathered enough knowledge to actually starting to being creative. I start to implement a strategy to steer my process, to steer my business, to change ways. I have enough understanding to do that. And we all know that when we learn stuff, first everything is kind of untouchable. Then we start to understand a bit, especially if we learn another language. Suddenly we understand really what's going on. We can have conversations and stuff. We understand what's being meant after being able to read it. And then we can actually use the language, like ideally as a mother tongue level. Um, then we have reached that wisdom level. And the same in coffee. So with that uh, rate of rise example before, um, what roasteries did over time, first they understood this rate of rise is not acceptable to my quality standards. But next they started to redesign their profiles. Um, so they'd never run... Um, into those rate of rise forms of having a too low rate of rise or too high, for example. So their assessment on how to design a rose profile dramatically changed by that. And what IT here basically does, IT is really good at collecting data. We are not so good in that. Um, it's very error prone if you write stuff down. Um, it takes a lot of time. We are not good at repetitive things and we are rather slow compared to a computer. And computers are also good in uh, collecting and um, combining that, inf uh, that data into information so you can actually read it. So computers basically start to occupy these two levels. And that's actually what then, again, a business intelligence system is in our company. 
And we are here, we gather the knowledge out of that and the wisdom then to use that information to, to faster change, to improve processes, to understand problems, to increase our, our um, production. Um, so keep, please keep that um, pyramid in mind. Um, as for the, uh, I will now start to look at a few examples in coffee that happened and that followed that pyramid pretty well. So let's look at a few examples. So um, again, we build up the pyramid here. So assuming we are a roastery and we roast coffee and we cup those coffees. So the data sets we actually collect here are temperatures um, as curves and, and, and cupping scores, flavors, whatever. <clears throat> All right. Um, on the information level, um, we started to correlate those things that it can actually be seen in the same view. So I see my rose curves, I see my cupping results in one thing, and I can see that over time again. So I look at that stuff regularly. And suddenly I understand that, uh, again, the rate of rise example, if the rate of rise is too low, companies suddenly understood that this is a problem. We also always get baked flavors if rate of rise is doing that. And we didn't clearly see it in the bean temperature before that. So they actually say, okay, this is probably an issue. This is a visualization of the problem. That's a new set of information. They start to understand. So they understand, they started to understand baking in their company, in their, with their machine, in their context. We don't have an objective standard when baking starts, I think. Most couples also disagree. Uh, and it also depends what your roast machine is, when it really starts, um, how we see that actually. It depends on uh, the used sensors. Um, but basically, in their company, companies understood, okay, baking, this is how it happens. This is our minimum rate of rise we need to have. This bumps we don't have, or this bump is still okay. Um, so they introduced new standards and new ways to think about the coffee and what they basically did, they started to redesign the profiles. Um, at the moment when uh, Scott Ra wrote his um, roasting companion book, uh, he already talked about a design of rate of rise that was very specific, actually. So at that time, the industry and uh, he as a person already knew that if we do that, we don't hit the baking phase. So that was already implemented. And most people in industry started to think about that. But we reached that with the rate of rise curve and the, the process of looking at rate of rise curve and cupping over time. Uh, this is an example how that uh, looks uh, or looked like. So we have, this is the bean temperature and the rate of rise. And there are some gray curves in the back. So we compare that current roast with a lot of others. And... Uh, they all end, end here. I know it's pretty light. I hope you can see it. But this green coffee roast, I mean, that really touches the zero line a lot. Uh, sorry, this is uh, Celsius. Uh, so, uh, But it's zero rate of rise for some time. We also see it in the bean temperature here. It's so obvious. And here we get the cupping results. We get flavors and cupping scores. And basically here with the green one, we see baked. And if we get that presented over time, we will start to see a correlation and say, hey, this is too low. We have a problem. This shouldn't happen. And then we are actually at the wise level and change that. Um, but there is, that's a very obvious example. Um, but we have slight changes in how things affect quality. 
Again, because of some processes are interrelated, they are not so obvious, or they are processes we cannot see. Um, again, a pyramid. Um, so we collect the same data, actually. So we collect the cupping scores, the roasts, and the time when that was. And now we aggregate it differently, or the system does that for us. We aggregate it by time and the profile. And suddenly, we will see if we do that, if we, if, if you are a cupping scores of each roast or profile over time, we actually see how the quality develops over time. And there are some interesting facts to that. So first I can see uh, how consistent my quality actually is. Is it going up or down? Does it go up or down between different roast machines or locations? Or does it depend on our whatever fog is coming in on the weekend? Uh, but uh, what many people figured out, they, they suddenly seen that the specific green coffee ages too fast. And it's just a blend component. And the quality slightly decreases over time. And you don't see that on a single cupping score, but you see it if you row it up in time. And they might, um, on the long term, improve their storage because they have a storage problem. Or they simply need to swap green coffee for that specific profile. Uh, but people can take, take action here. And they can do it because they understood the quality development over time. Uh, more concrete, that is as simple as this. So each bar here is a cupping score of a specific roast. And this line here is the cupping score of our target quality of our uh, target roast quality. And you see it's going a bit up and down. And while you see here that there is actually no bad cupping result here, it's a, a stellar 87 is the worst score, um, we can actually see that the quality on average is going down a bit. So obviously it's easy to see that on, on or to track manually on 10 coffees or so, or 12, what it is. But it's rough to see if you roast for many months and a lot of the same coffee. You get so many batches. Uh, but you will still see a tendency. And you see if you're on track improving or, or declining quality. But interestingly, we use the same data and we aggregate it a bit differently. <laughs> and we get another output. And we can do the same for coffee buying purposes, for example. Again, we have cupping, roast, and time. We aggregate the usage and the volumes per profile per time. Um, so a bit different than before. So we get new meaning again. What we then get out, we can suddenly see a run rate. So if we have that usage data, I can project it to the future and say, hey, this green coffee is running out in three weeks. I need to definitely restock from my trader or whatever else. Or I need to buy a green, new green coffee. I can also see the usage over time and see what did I really use between mid-November till end of December last year? So when I planned my coffee purchases for this year, um, what did I really use? And it's sometimes not so obvious because you buy, for example, a Colombia for blends or being used in two blends and you buy a, a, from the same country, you buy a single origin or two single origins. So you want to group that out and see at what quality level, how much coffee did I really use in that specific time frame. And that helps to buy the coffee in the end, which again also affects the quality because if you buy too much coffee, it will age or you need to use it for something else. And if you don't have 
if you have too little coffee, that's an operational problem additionally. Uh, but basically, again, same data set, a different outcome and different strategies I can actually take on. And I think the, I hope the point gets a little clearer. So as long as we have the data stored in the same system and the same business intelligence solution, I can use it for different purposes. Uh, this again, how that can look like. So we see different green coffees here being used uh, from Guatemala. Uh, the amount of green I've used in the time frame, comparing that to the same period before. So growth or decline, roast per week, batches per week, and what I currently have left, if any. So this is obviously empty. But assuming you go to the show flow afterwards, you cup Guatemala coffees. That's nice information to have in case you really like a coffee and you get a price and you have a quality assessment. You can, you can decide on that. <clears throat> uh, and here comes a bit a new example. So all these three examples are kind of in the past um, and show that with the same data, we get a lot of information and strategies out. Uh, this is a very new one that's an experiment by Chris Cormand. He's working at The Crown and he published that, I think, in daily coffee news two months ago. So Chris is um, basically logging all his roasting, all his cuppings. Um, he's also logging moisture and water activity. So he's a bit in a good uh, position actually because he has a water activity device, which most don't. And water activity is a really interesting parameter actually because it tells us a few things. For example, um, Water activity um, is a strong indicator for storage, and it's not being used only in coffee. Use it for any grain or everything you dry, actually, in our food industry measures water activity. Because it tells you first if there's a lot of free water, what it basically is, or what the parameter is, um, it's, very, it's more likely that you get an infection on that product, so microbes or terms or whatever else is likely to go in and interact and use the water. So a too high water activity, that thing might get moldy, although the, the overall moisture is still in an acceptable level. Um, it also tells us a bit about shelf life. A too high water activity or too low decreases the shelf life for the same reason. If there's too much free water, it's more likely it goes in and out basically and moves around. That's not good. Uh, and it has also the effect in green coffee, for example, that it tastes agey or uh, hay or whatever um, too early, basically. Uh, but it seems also to have, have an effect on roasting. And then here it becomes really interesting. So what Chris did, uh, he figured out, depending on water activity, uh, roasts uh, work out differently or have different dynamics in the, around Maillard phase and they darken differently, so the color change is more dramatic. Um, and he wanted to do a small experiment, and how he did that, he measured the water activity of coffees. He took a sample, uh, so he took a sample, he split it up in two bags, and one bag he stored well, and one he didn't store well. He basically put it out of the window, and that changed the water activity dramatically. He did that for different kinds of coffees. And then he roasted those coffees, first the one with the high water activity and the other one with the low water activity. And he roasted them on a, a Thinker Provatino and uh, 
it was with the same settings and he tried to preheat the machine well so they're really under the same conditions. Uh, so no, not really production conditions, I would say. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So um, the orange line is the high water activity and the blue uh, is the low water activity. And then he roasted the same thing. So we see a similar start temperature and similar ending. But we actually see here that the high water activity goes lower into the turning point, but then it decreases much faster, although we don't apply more gas to the system. So the rate of rise is much higher at that point. Uh, and this, it was even more strong. This is not what we should do at home, actually. Uh, so we see the higher activity in orange and the lower in blue again. And here, uh, Chris opened the airflow to 100% open. So that means a lot of uh, water was going out of the system or a lot of heat capacity. And you see that the lower water activity actually dropped even a negative temperature growth. So it really dropped while the higher water activity at least leveled out. So it's not an ideal roast, but the effect is much, much stronger than we see here. And he did that with several coffees. And what he basically concluded as an idea is that water activity actually tells us how we should treat the coffee in Maillard when we have a lot of water in the system. Um, is that now an outcome like we know that rate of rise of X means baking? No, we are not there. Uh, but what Chris did, he has now an idea, and with his business intelligence solution, basically collecting that data, he can report now on every roast he's doing to see if he has that correlation over time. It's like seeing the rate of rise being too low over months. Um, and he's collecting the cupping as well. So he will build up a database that tells him if that idea is actually true or not. In case it's true, he generated new knowledge. And secondly, we will figure out new strategies how to... Uh, attack that problem, basically, how to make that not happening. And it might, again, change our procedure and our thinking how to design rose profiles. We don't know yet, but he has the tool to do that. So um, we come back to the, the simplified process. Um, the business intelligence system sits on top. And what it does it helps us to collect all that information as efficient as possible, um, as good as possible. It stores it in one location. That also was the advantage of Chris, or is the advantage of Chris right now. He has all his roasts from the last years and all the water activity, so he can immediately report on the old data sets as well and get information out if his idea is actually true or wrong in his, his setup. Um, so business intelligence grabs all that, stores it in one location, and then we start to get out our benefit. We can learn about baking patterns. We can learn about defects in roasting. We can use the same data to monitor our quality over time and see slighter or long-term problems. Um, we can use it even for coffee buying. We can use it to test new theories. Um, so there's many, many outputs on that. And it's so similar um, when I did that lecture, actually, I was thinking how, for me, it's very obvious that these outcomes come out. I see data and information as multiplication out of that. But it's so similar to the point on return on investment. I invest this amount of resources in time and devices, 
Uh, that's what I do to capture the date. And then it really comes up, what do I get back? And that justifies to do cuppings, that justifies to record other things and invest all those resources. But the crucial point is, if you write that down on a paper, if you write that down in an Excel sheet, which is already a bit better, um, it's those formats predefine what you get out so you have no multiplication, so you have no good return on investment. Um, and business intelligence system actually needs to do that for you. So that's the important piece. Um, that needs to help us to get all those output and also to store the data because maybe there is another Chris or Chris has a second idea. So we come up with new theories. They might prove right. One of those will prove right at the point. But uh, Chris can use all his history data set to validate that and to figure out. So the point when he builds up knowledge uh, and the process of building up knowledge is much, much faster to him because he doesn't start with data and information gathering again. He sits on top of that. He can start to process more knowledge more quickly. Um, and that's what these kind of tools do. Um, we do the same thing in accounting systems or ERP system in bigger companies. Um, it's the same process. These systems cost a lot of time to maintain and put in the data, but we have specific benefits from that that justify the investment. And for coffee, if you think about it, it's, it's great coffee. Clearly, that's our goal. Um, it also helps us to steer our quality and our processing and everything regarding that uh, BI system for coffee must have quality as a core part instead of only efficiency. And I think that's at the moment when we still don't understand any process happening or all of the process happening, sorry, um, this is the approach we can actually do nowadays with IT systems we have capture a few points, correlate as much as possible to circumvent the fact that we cannot see a perceived Maya reaction, really. We don't know what's happening, except theoretically, but not in the moment. And that helps us around. So maybe water activity or, or modulation charts help us to steer better through that phase and give us a tool to do that. And um, that means... Um, I come back to my initial point. That means I also come more or less to the end of the lecture. And um, that's then obviously the last information. And as a reminder, that's on Wisdom Pyramid Level 2 because we can all see that and we can all understand that. Um, that's basically uh, just an example for the end. Um, the thank you um, for you uh, to come. Thank you for your time um, to be here. Um, I would love to get a few questions, if there are any. A member of the audience is asking, what is the rate of rise in the observable data, and who owns this data, Cropster or the Roaster? So um, the rate of rise is a, um, an algorithm applied on a temperature curve. So here we apply it on the bean temperature. What's really important here to understand, um, Cropster doesn't own any data. Um, so our... Um, privacy agreement with any customer or user of the system is that this is data of the company using that. So every company has its private account and aggregates the data into that. What we basically share is, is um, knowledge or understanding. So today we know that rate of rise or a too low rate of rise indicates baking. 
but it doesn't necessarily tell us on your specific machine and your specific sensor setup, which your machine ships with, uh, at what exact number that is. It really depends also on that. Um, so um, um, the best thing is that we have now the information at the knowledge and industry to talk about that problem. And you need to know that problem, and you will need now to decide on the strategy how to improve my roles from this not happening. Uh, so we want to enable the user to do the analytics, and we have a query backbone basically helping you to do that and a graphical output to that. Also some automatic checks, but you can set that in whatever area you want to do. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Enjoy the show. That was Andreas Eel of Cropster at Expo in 2018. Remember to check out our show notes for a full transcript of this lecture and visit worldofcoffee.org for tickets to our next run of lectures. This has been an episode of the SCA podcast. Thank you for joining us.